Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to another book club. I'm delighted to be joined from New York by the magic of technology by Jenna Friedman, uh, who's written a book called Not Funny. And uh, hello, Jenna. Hi. So happy to be here. Lovely to see you. And um, (laughs) you did uh, an Edinburgh podcast with me a few years back when when we were both in Edinburgh. So uh, we have met you before if people want to go back and find that. But for people who didn't hear that and... Uh, maybe are not as aware of American comedy as uh, people in America are. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are? I am a comedian uh, from the United States, um, and I enjoy performing in the UK uh, for so many reasons. First and foremost, because <laughs> you guys don't like all have guns, and uh, you laugh at more of my jokes than a lot of American audiences. And I should also say that the, the crying dog in the background is Potato. Um, I'm going to grab him, bring him over here just to show okay. you little Potato. Yeah. He, this will probably be his last podcast. He's so old. Oh, <laughs> Potato. 
potato. No, well, I, that I was not anticipating. I don't know what I was anticipating. Isn't he cute? I mean, he's, he's so great. old. He's 16. And we oh. took him with us because, like, he just, you can't leave him with anyone else. But he he's anxious because his dad is gone. Oh. He'll be back. I wasn't a dog person before I met my husband. So here I am. Anyway, okay. um, yes, we, I did your podcast. Yeah. Before the end of the world, it was like 2019, and yeah, I guess it must have been, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was. It was a, I recommend the podcast; that was a great one to uh, uh, listen to. So there's lot, lots of terrific stuff, and I enjoyed that very much. I, and I enjoyed spotting you around Edinburgh. That yeah, we kept on bumping into each other, and I thought I'd see you looking very cool. And now, oh, subs, and now you're a mum. Everything's changed. Yeah, everything has changed. <laughs> I was cool. There was a period in my life where I was actually cool. And now you can't be cool as a mom. It's just not because you you care. Your brain changes to the point where you have to care, even if you want to be cool. Like I daily am trying to prevent this little guy from dying. And so it just like it doesn't it's not compatible with cool. Okay, and, and we should point out, potato isn't your son, though, right? Your, your no, son, my your son, son is, is not potato. My son is a human, yeah. Human child. Okay, that's good. Because, you know, it's it's nice to hear from potato. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Potato's ridiculous. I'm, yeah. I, I'm a, I've become a parody, like a woman with, like, a dog, a, like a small dog and a baby. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> well, I've got a big dog and two babies that have grown a bit now they're, they're yeah. eight and five so it get, wow. it sort of it gets better but we had the dog w- we had the dog with the second it's about the same age as the second child it was, don't get a dog and a baby no. exactly the same time that's my that advice sounds insane. um so look the book not funny which obviously is a quite a bold title jenna to call your book not funny i mean it's no american cunt <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, that's the kind of thing they always tell you not to do when you think, I'm going to call my Edinburgh show, Richard Herring's not very good. Don't, yeah. don't do that because then journalists can say, yes, he isn't very good. Yeah, but that's they all, they, that's, yeah, they'll all say that <laughs> and it's so dumb. Like, everyone's like, thinks that they're the first person to do that. <laughs> so why... The book isn't very funny, she's right. It's like, oh. <laughs> well, luckily the book is, I mean, not it's not all funny because it's not all meant to be funny, but it is funny where yeah. it's meant to be uh, make some very serious points as well uh, why why did you call it not funny i called the uh book not funny um because i've been called that by like i tweeted this one thing that people got upset about and the stanford professor wrote like comedians tweet not funny and i thought that that was so funny that like a Stanford professor would like weigh in on a satirical tweet, yeah. but also like, you know, as a comedian, it's like the worst thing you can be called is not funny. And we, you know, we've all gotten it. So I just think it's like a funny title. And when I first conceived of the title, I had this idea to have the forward written by somebody named Bill Cosby, who wasn't Bill Cosby. Nice. Um, and so like the, the edge of the title would like kind of been complimented by that, like forward by Bill Cosby. So then it would be like really funny, <laughs> but my editor decided after we had decided what the title of the book was, my editor had, um, uh, next to the Bill Cosby thing. I found someone, I found a guy who was willing to read the book and write a forward who was named <laughs> Bill Cosby. I had his license and was like ready to go. I think I paid him a kill fee anyway, just because I felt bad for like, you know, trolling him. But um, 
just by being like, Hey, you have this rapist name. Can you do me a favor? <laughs> um, but then, yeah, uh, they nixed that. So the title kind of lost a little bit of the edge, uh, but it's still, I, I still like it as a title. I think it's like a funny, it's funny I, to me. You know, I and do, that's I all think funny is. I think it's funny and it's bold. And also because the book is, is about partly about your comedy journey and partly about, you know, where, where comedy works and, where it doesn't work and for whom. So, you know, it, it, the book isn't all funny. So there's a lot about, I mean, we'll get a, get into it later probably rather than right straight away. We could get into it now, but there's a, there's, there's a lot about abortion. There's a lot about Me Too. And obviously those things, whilst we can find jokes in everything, those things are not particularly funny. So it, I think it is, I think it's a, a good, bold title. I don't think it's, you know, it's Thank clear. You. If someone calls think- it, if someone calls themselves not funny, then that's obviously, there's, there's obviously... <laughs> You're yeah. not really saying. <laughs> Finally, I admit I'm not funny. I would love to do. Yeah. I'd love to do that, but people people do it. You know, I, as a comedian, you get, of course you get the same thing. And people go, yeah. you know, you're not funny. You go, well, I've managed to work for 35 years not being yeah. funny. So that's sort yeah. of the biggest compliment you could give me. <laughs> that I've, grif- yeah. I've grifted my way through three and a half, three and a half decades with, without any talent. So uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, look, the books. Uh, it's, it's. I think anyone who is interested in comedy will be interested. Anyone's interested in. I mean, it's 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 interesting how I guess different the the landscape is in America because it feels like it's much harder to get controversial subjects onto TV, certainly. But but even to, yeah. if you're talking about abortion, which uh, the, the, the book starts with you making an abortion joke on uh, election night 2016 yeah. uh, on TV and that being troublesome, I, you know, I don't think that would be... It's, it, it's an issue in the UK for sure, but it's not the same kind of issue as it is in, in America. Yeah, I mean, our yeah, it's such an issue in our country. And I do think looking back, especially in like the context of the writer's strike and everything going on now... I feel very lucky for what I have gotten on TV. I feel very lucky for being able to work at Adult Swim in the moment yeah. that I was, which I think was like the end of this era where this like tiny little comedy channel was able to greenlight whatever they wanted. I mean, the creative freedom that I've had professionally, I I feel very lucky for that. Um even like this true crime show thing that I did that recently did not get picked up. Um, I have to say that because I don't want people to say I'm like promoting, I'm breaking the strike rules by promoting something. I'm like, it's not picked up. It's never coming back. Um, but the bandwidth that they gave me to like do kind of, I did this like fetus lawyer, fake fetus lawyer ad because in one of the episodes, this girl, her fetus actually had a lawyer. Like I, I kind of can't believe that people have let me do that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I was also very pregnant when I shot that, so I was like, "If you don't let me do this, you'll stress out the baby." Um, <laughs> I kind of pressured them, but uh, yeah, I, I, I have had a lot of creative freedom professionally with that that type of those subjects. But yeah. it is a lot more puritanical in the U.S. than in the U.K. Yeah, but obviously with stand, I mean your stand-up stuff is is as as you say you had a show called American Cunt. Uh, it's uh, you know you've you're, you've 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 got freedom within stand-up. Yeah, for sure. And freedom with freedom comes no money. Hold on, I'm just gonna. <laughs> with freedom comes great responsibility. No, it just comes no paycheck. Yeah. Um, I just let him outside. Hopefully, he'll survive. But you know, if he doesn't, it's 
It's time. It's time okay. for potato. <laughs> well, you know, if we can kill a dog during this podcast, that will, that will be a There's time always achievement. first, yeah. <laughs> Edgy comedian kills dog on podcast. Um, uh, yeah, go on. Nothing. I wasn't gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna punch that up. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, but it is, it, you know, because it's about your career. This book, as much as any, you know, and other things as well. But there's a lot about the nature of comedy, which I think uh, a lot of people who listen to this podcast will be interested in. I mean, it, it, it is once you start getting into the nitty gritty of. Uh, what's offensive and what's not offensive, and you've always pushed pushed back the boundaries. And obviously, you can joke about any subject. I think if it, depending on how you're coming at it. So I don't think there's any subject that's off limits really to a, to a good comedian. Um, I feel the same way. But it, 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 there's an interesting there's interesting stuff about your your love of dead baby jokes, uh, yes. which obviously does feed into the, to then uh, the, the, the abortion issue as well. But just as just as a as as an offensive, ridiculous joke, really a, a dead baby, dead baby joke. Tell us a little bit about your love of dead baby jokes, and maybe yeah, give I'd us a, give us an example. Sure, sure. So I think when I started writing the book, I just kind of I sold a series of essays, and that was the first essay that I wrote. I was just kind of thinking about comedy in general, and like I didn't want it to be like about my childhood, really, because I. I find some people do it really, really well, but I kind of am like bored by like the, like the quirky childhood stories. Mm -hmm. But so I was like, how do I talk about if it is a memoir, like kind of the past in a way, but that feels more universal and less personal. And I just remember how I always told dead baby jokes. And I, before I ever got into comedy, I just loved them for so many reasons. I loved like the shock value that they provided uh, I talk about an anecdote in that essay where I grew up in a very um, small, I mean, all white town. Uh, I was like the um, diversity because I was Jewish and kids would tell like racist jokes and I they never sat well with me, those jokes. So then I would like tell a dead baby joke and everyone would just kind of be stunned into silence. And so it made me realize like dead baby jokes were also kind of like equal opportunity offenders and they're progressive in this way where they disrupt the, like the racist joke telling by just creeping everybody out. And so I wrote about that. And then, and then it's kind of funny to trace like my love of dead baby jokes before I was ever a comedian to like the kind of jokes that I tell now. Yeah. And I, I realized that dead baby jokes are kind of like the training wheels of jokes. Like they, um, they kind of set you up to learn how to write a joke. And then when I went from like, there's like a very clear line of like going from dead baby jokes to like my first actual jokes in my standup, which were abortion jokes. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of talked about that. And there was one uh, academic, it was like a journal of folklore where uh, this professor wrote about dead baby jokes. And it was really interesting to read what he wrote. And I cite him in my essay, but then I really think he got it wrong. Um, because he also wasn't a comedian, not a female telling these jokes. So I talked about that a little bit too in the essay, but that was kind of my like first essay in the book of just like, what do I want to talk about? I want to talk about my experiences, but I also want to try to make it more universal. I want yeah. to talk about comedy. People seem to be interested in comedy for some reason. And so it all kind of like came together in that one essay. Yeah. I mean, it is, it, 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 it sort of doesn't, it is a collection of essays, but there does feel like this through line. Well, obviously you're the through line through it, but it does feel 
almost like a memoir as well, because or at least of your comedy career. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't, you know, because you mentioned saying, oh, I know you never, you, you, your teacher didn't like your essays at school. And you, you struggled to write essays at school and now you're writing a book of essays. So it's... Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, but you know it is it sort of works as a narrative book as well as as well as being a collection of sometimes unconnected things I suppose. But yeah, yeah, no that that was um, that kind it kind of fell into place that way. I've always been afraid of writing a book like uh, expository writing is a little bit of an Achilles heel of mine because there's a level of vulnerability and you, with jokes you can kind of hide behind the joke. But um, and I'm getting more personal in my comedy. I think I think early in my career I resented the fact that. I felt like kind of pigeonholed. Like if you're like a woman in your twenties on stage, people want you to tell dick jokes. Um, they want you to be a little more lewd. I think they're kind of uninterested in what young women have to say, unless we're talking about sex. Sure. And so for so long I pushed back on that. But then now as I'm older, I just, I'm like, you know, talk about whatever you want. And I do have a lot more personal stuff to say, especially now that I've had a kid, I had a crazy, I had the craziest year. Um, so I am kind of getting more personal with my work. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that one essay was about a teacher that I had that was this English teacher who ended up kind of, not kind of, who had an affair with a student. And um, it was interesting to look back on my relationship with him through that lens. Yeah. Um, and I do think that that's more of like a kind of universal story because there's this like trope of the predatory teacher and yeah. so to be able to talk about that in a weirdly, like the end conclusion of that essay still kind of makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> just kind of like, I mean, I don't, I'll spoil it, but because you guys, your, your currency is so shit right now. I don't want you to have to spend like $50 <laughs> on a book, but please buy it if anyone wants to. The proceeds will go to a good cause, which is my ability to outsource care of my son. Um, I just outsource love to him, uh, pay someone else to do my emotional labor. Uh, but yeah, I think it was like, um, about how had my teacher been more encouraging in essay writing, I never would have had to get into stand up or something like that. I don't know if that was the takeaway, but. Well, I think that, you know, but again, that sort of feeds into the whole Me Too movement, which is, which, the, and the, 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 being a, a, a woman in comedy, which a lot of this is about and, you know, is, yeah. is funny and depressing and, uh, you know, terrifying in equal measure. But I think, you know, that is a universe, you know, in our school, um, in Somerset in the 1980s, I think four of the teachers, uh, I think like four of our teachers might have ended up married to ex pupils. It was like yeah. absolutely insane. And like, well, I, I mean, who are you going to meet? <laughs> it's who people you work with. <laughs> So yeah, it is, it, and you know, there's a there's a journalist in the UK who's criticising one of the sex cases that's going on at the moment, saying who'd written an article saying if he'd been a teacher, he would definitely have had sex with the people. So it is, it is, it's, it's a very, it's a very complicated. Um, I love the contrarian men in the UK. Like yeah. you have, you always like have this history of like the Christopher Hitchens or like the one like against the grain like male muck muckraker who's like you know pedophilia is not so bad <laughs> just love that british uh tradition yeah um it is so you know the, the, your story through comedy does sort of neatly kind of almost bookend because it's the last 15 or so years isn't it and it's it's yeah. it does sort of take you from 
uh, your early stories about doing improv in an improv group and and the stuff that went on there and that was sort of covered up by but or like the, the even the, the women involved in the organization mostly the women to be honest yeah. i mean it was yeah. that was a whole other thing but yeah it was the women yeah. who came down on me the hardest and men were like i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> i support you <laughs> So, but then through through the whole Me Too thing, I mean, there's a there's a great chapter where you, um, or a great essay where you um, ask male comedians the questions that you, as a female comedian, are asked by all journalists. I was very tempted just to ask you all those questions myself, but of course I won't do. That. Oh yeah, the yeah. thing I realized is that it actually fucked up my. I think a lot of journalists were have been afraid to talk to me because I think I just put people in their heads with that yeah. essay. Yeah, but it is, you know, but it is kind of, especially in this day, it's not like the 1950s where there might have been one female performer yeah. and, it, you know, comedian and they're going, why, what are you doing in this men's world? We are, we are in the 21st century and there's a whole lot of female comedians and it's not just about them being. Yeah, <laughs> I think are- what it, yeah, I think it's like, it's just kind of like, and I'm sure you get it too, there's like a line of questioning that just is kind of lazy. And I yeah. do, to the journalist's credit, uh, we're in this moment where, you know, at least in our country, like journalism is like kind of dead. Like it's, there's no money in it. There, like everything is branded. In the market for investment worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Uh, yeah, well, and also, I found it interesting, you, the, the stuff you you write about... Uh, likability as a comedian because it's sort it is sort of it's interesting i think that the people the gatekeepers of comedy or at least the traditional gatekeepers of comedy are obviously looking for a product that's saleable and and can get on tv and so i think that i think that i think it is again it's something that i think is is more of a case for women but i think it is also uh for guy for guys who aren't aren't trying to be the happy smiley saturday night entertainer you know who are doing sort of 
uh, stuff. Well, it's easier for guys to be stand-ups and be horrible, I guess, or, or not. Definitely not in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely in the UK. I mean, Ricky Gervais is like the least yeah. likable celebrity and he's just made so much uh money for himself and such a has such a cool body of work um yeah. being such a unlikable cunt yeah. um so but yeah i do think i do think less so now but when i was first starting out like i remember and i talked about this on a thing but uh seeing polling uh, with Sharon Horgan and also Ab Fab, like the UK, I think women didn't have to be likable in the way that they did in the US. Um, yeah. You have a, a a longer tradition of, I think, comedy than we do, and I think particularly female comedians have more, uh, have historically had more land um, bandwidth or leeway to just kind of be less likable. But in the US, there's like this kind of like again puritanical saccharine thing where it's funny I'll talk to my female comedian friends in the UK and we all have different takes about like the misogyny in our own countries and I was like naive to US misogyny until Trump became president but um yeah I do think with in terms of likability specifically there it's a little or has been harder in the US to kind of break through with someone who's not entirely likable yeah but you know it's it's sort of about being, I mean, it, it, I think for you, it, it is because people are looking at you and thinking, well, you're an attractive woman. You should be flirtatious and happy and, and enjoying yourself. But you know what? <laughs> so I think, like, but I, you know, I really, I love, I love your, uh, your, your assets and I, and I love, I love your attitude. And obviously, the, the stuff you're doing for me, I, and I love that kind of comedy anyway. But, uh, but yeah, I, could, I think I can see why. I think in the, in the brains of people who expect a certain thing, I suppose there's a disconnect there that that then they're not they're especially not expecting a young woman, I guess, to be. Yeah, I not probably. Trying. Yeah, I think when I in my twenties, just maybe the way that I presented versus the content that I was doing, I think was probably confusing for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, but that's why. But you know, we talked about the the stuff where you talked to um, John McAfee and all, and all that on the on the last right. podcast. But I think that the reason that works so strongly is because he is absolutely bamboozled by his, the, the, his, 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 his dick is basically saying, I want to sleep with this woman. And his brain, well, his brain can't comprehend that you're actually running circles around him. I, I would. Right. So that, but that's not stand up. And I think no. I, I was, I was in my mid thirties when I shot that, but, and I do think I found, <laughs> I want to tell you, my baby is eating this like copy of Lean In that I got at like a Sheryl Sandberg book signing party. And it's like totally appropriate. <laughs> Go get it. You eat Lean In. You eat that. You eat that, baby. This stupid book. Anyway, this stupid white feminist tone deaf book. Um, anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Yes. So I think as stand up, it's still, it was still kind of confusing for people. And I don't know if it worked because I never like, I mean, my, my, I'm still kind of under the radar as a stand up, but yeah. um, I did find to kind of use the way people, people saw me to my advantage and a lot of the interviews that I do where I think it's like, I look just kind of like this, like, straight like white lady journalists and so i can get away with fucking with people because they don't think i'm fucking with them and that's kind of like that sweet spot that i found with that adult swim show and then with the true crime show that i did yeah 
Yeah, it's it's you know it, I think it it it, it, it you know, again I think you may, maybe there are differences between our our two countries with this, but I think you know there's a lot of crossover where it is it is the case, and I think again we, we, I think because in America stand-ups do tend to kind of cross over into acting and into presenting maybe more so, and I think when I my experience of like going to Montreal and seeing American comics uh, and Canadian comics was that they were sort of auditioning for. For film roles, yeah. sitcom roles, really, which I know you know is not, is not you, but you have again your your experience of of, get, of auditioning for parts of films and getting parts in films. I still found again surprising. Given one, how, well, yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> I was I, in one I, project <laughs> because I didn't audition for it. Yeah, I was in one feature. So, but they, but the, you were going up for you know girl having sex uh, and right. You know, I never got those, and no. I never auditioned for that one. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a it, yeah. The acting is a whole separate thing. But that that I think when you are a young woman, especially like in the like early two thousands, the parts were just so bad. Yeah. That one was so bad. It was funny. Yeah. Like I, I want to actually do like a stage reading of like that scene, <laughs> girl having sex, because it was like so bad. <laughs> but then it was interesting the part that you did get that they encouraged you to you you explained why you didn't want to do it or what were your problems with the part and they did allow you to rewrite it with them so that so things are changing yeah things are cha- i mean things are changing and it's so ironic how it's like the moment that like there's a little bit more equity um you know the whole fucking industry implodes <laughs> they're like they're like okay we'll make things more equal and then just not pay anyone um but you know i think i think you i think you sort of make because you've been on the inside of all of this i think and you know and maybe again if you'd been if if you'd been a star like a superstar you wouldn't have seen as much as you've seen but i think it's you you've got an i think insight. i would have i just wouldn't have shared it because maybe. i would be there would be money on the line. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's power in just like being obscure and not making too much money. You just are fearless. Like, you know, I, I, I don't have anything to lose. Yeah. So I'm just kind of saying what I want to say. Yeah. But you know, it's great. It's great for that. But being able to talk about writing for David Letterman and the, the, the subjects you weren't allowed to do jokes about. Uh, yeah. You know, again, I mean, that to, 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 to a UK writer, I think that would seem, surprising that on a late night show you couldn't even write you know you couldn't write jokes about periods that oh seem... yeah i mean that was 2011 but yeah it yeah. was it it even though it was 2011 it really was uh it, it was a totally different time but also if you look at late night now which again is like a dying breed it's still all white men for the most yeah. part in yeah. our country yeah um uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting talking about you know the allyship that you you're sort of uh, trying to promote, but that's but and and the guys that I mean, like some of the guys you you write about Jeff Garlin, who's obviously had some accusations of uh, bullying or whatever it was that he had against them. But you, from your point of view, is a a really good guy. So you know, there's well, I didn't say that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I said he was really. In my experience, he was very avuncular. Yeah. And um, and I think that there's something funny about, like, the person who actually, like, gave me a break and was nice is, like, also a workplace harasser. Like, okay. that or whatever whatever he was, whatever, the, the allegation, a bully. Um, but yeah. that just kind of shows you, like, how hard the industry is when it's, like, the person who's, like, helpful to you is also this person. It's just a, it's just a tough industry. And Jeff has always been really cool to me. Um, 
but also I acknowledge that, you know, if an entire cast and crew have a problem with you um, for just being a bully in the workplace, they're probably right. And so I think the larger issue is just kind of like, you know, a lot of female comics have to be responsible for male comedians. Like, you know, in the interview essay, I asked a bunch of comics. I actually reached out to Louis also. I wanted to interview Louis for the piece. Right. Because, uh, <laughs> like, I wonder, like, you know, would do, does Louis think women should accept his apology? Like, I, I wanted to ask Louis the questions that I was asked and that we're all asked. But we are so often asked to, like, apologize for the behavior of our male colleagues and or like I have a friend who was on a show with a guy who was credibly accused of assault and then everybody got mad at her for being on the show with him. Yeah. And just the expectation of us to not only have to police these guys, but then have to just like suffer for them. Like there are women who uh, have the same management company as Louie and people were like, well, why didn't you guys drop your management? And it's just like it's just like this kind of annoying, uh, unending thing of us having to. Um, apologize for them or, or, or mitigate the damage that they've done. And I don't know what my larger point was. I'm watching my son play with a bunch of cords <laughs> and hoping he doesn't um, wrap them around his neck. Um, but yeah, I guess I kind of wanted to uh, try to flip it on its head in that, in that one essay, but I had a larger point that I kind of, Oh, about Jeff. Yeah. It's about the, just like the complicated relationships that we have with, all these men in our industry. And like, if you are in this industry where like you're, as you know, like your relationships are currency. It's how you get jobs. It's how you get stage time. It's how you connect to people and keep working in this industry. It's how you find camaraderie in moments when you're not working. It's like through your friends and your relationships, like you're going to probably have a friendship or a relationship with someone who's quote unquote problematic because it's yeah. just the nature of our industry and you kind of can't, or ignore it it's like it's kind of impossible to dodge <laughs> yeah i guess I, I, I guess that's true of all jobs right i mean it's not just it's not just comedy but as you point out in the book you know there's no hr department for comedy i know in the uk that the female comics basically have like some like a whatsapp group where they share information about yeah. who to watch out for is this is there a similar thing in in, yeah, there's a whisper the network. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm beyond, I think, that point. But when I was first starting out and nobody knew who I was, I did have a couple of people kind of pull me aside and be like, hey, this guy is known for blah, blah, blah. Like, be careful, you know. And so you have a little bit of that, which I think is more important for younger comics who have, like, no agency or real um, who have the same amount of community or power that older uh, comics have. Um, yeah. I mean, do you think things are checked? Because I feel it. I feel in the UK, it is you know the power balance is is still out, out of whack. But it feels like you know the the, it, it, the the enough there's enough pushback that things are changing, and that within a few years it might totally have changed. It feels like you know compared to because I've been going since the nineties, so like when the nineties right. it was a real boys lawless. club, <laughs> yeah, lawless boys club. You know, even as a even as a not very manly man, I felt. <laughs> fairly, ex- fairly excluded from the nineties comedy scene in that I didn't really want to do the sort of laddie stuff, um, yeah. and and so I kind of I if, ironically I feel, I feel I fit more into that sort of generation beneath below below mine because it, they, it became a bit more whimsical and and uh, thoughtful and uh, you know even though the stuff I do is it can be quite graphically sexual as well but it but it's um, but uh, it's in a sort of 
detached way, I suppose. But it's, <laughs> but it's so, <laughs> bit, so British. Yeah, well, yes, and, and very much like me. But yeah, it does feel like that. You know, there is a there's the, 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 there's a groundswell, and the, the female comedians are are being taken. Uh, you know, are, are getting to the the prime positions and and have power against that but then I say that and then every week there's something in the papers about yeah I mean I think it's also it's like partly cyclical and then it'll change and then it's not we can't take anything for granted I think that's just like with everything it's um I remember that like watching a video of this one Meryl Marco who who co-created the late show with David Letterman she's like this iconic female comedian comedian I should say comedian um but in 83 they asked her like are women do you think women can be like funny and pretty or they asked her like a really dumb question like that. And I just remember being floored that that was 1983 and that type of question was being asked then and it's still being asked Yeah, in 2000, I think nine. So I, I do think that, you know, we're talking about this stuff. There is like an awareness of a lot of the stuff that I talk about in the book, but I don't think, um, you know, we can't take it for granted and, and, and we can't just assume that like when something changes, it stays that way. Yeah. There's also like a ba- huge backlash and we are kind of like going back in time. If you look at like, you know, reproductive rights in the U.S., yeah. we are so close to the Handmaid's Tale. It's like it's just horrific. So who knows? Yeah. No, I mean, I, we're, I we're talking about things that we hadn't talked about previously, which I do think is cool. Yeah. I think it is. Uh, the book is very funny as well, Jenna. I know we'd be quite serious. <laughs> we'd be quite serious. We're but, uh, serious. And I'm like, I'm, as I'm talking to you, I have this like geriatric chihuahua who's nonstop barking and a child who's putting everything that like you shouldn't put in your mouth in your mouth. Yeah. So I, like I like that about this. It, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a nice, there's a distraction, which right. is nice. It takes away, we're relaxed. It's okay. My right. son, my son always managed to find, whatever was most dangerous in the room and it was hidden away, he would find right. straight, straight away. So he'd have a pin in his mouth at this point. Right, um, yes. It's like <laughs> a superpower. Fantastic. There's a very funny section where I think comes from your days as a, 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 journal, a magazine journalist where you're a sort of agony aunt for, for guys asking admittedly such dumbass questions, mainly that it is quite, it's quite fun for... <laughs> oh, those sex just, questions. The sex questions are, you know, are sort of a bit unbelievable, but, uh, but you know, but I, I do believe them because I know men. I've yeah. Met, I've met men, and so I know they are like that. But uh, was did, was that a fun thing to to, to Yeah, I mean, them? it was definitely a gig. When I had left The Daily Show, I just got this gig, and I took it because I needed money, and it was – and I – always kind of, I felt like the, like being a sex columnist kind of sounded cheesy. So I tried to make it my own and they were actually really encouraging. They let me kind of, I mean, they would definitely censor stuff or then, or be like, Oh, that's really funny. And then like, you'd see the print version and it would be like two sentences. Like <laughs> they definitely sanitized everything. I think there was like a photo, a press photo of like me holding a hanger and they actually scrubbed the hanger out of the image so I just kind of look like seductive but there's no like the satire of me holding that rusty hanger was just coat hanger was just not in the final photo right. Right. um it's very much kind of like what that gig was but it paid so I did it <laughs> um look it's, it's a terrific book I, I the audiobook's great as well I, I uh, I've got the book but I, I listened to it on the audiobook was that was that and it was it enjoyable to read that did you enjoy doing the audiobook yeah, I, sir. The baby and the dog are fighting. Yes, I. The audiobook was great. It was really. 
it was, um, you know, I'm, I, I definitely have like a non voiceover voice. I have a little bit of a lisp, um, but it was fun to do it. I, I enjoyed reading it. I hadn't kind of looked at the book in a while. And so I had the opportunity over like three or four days to just kind of dive in. And I, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, are you a big, I mean, I know you're a mum now, so it might be harder to read as I've found as a, as a father, it's harder to read because you're very tired and, uh, and yeah. have a lot, have a lot to do. Um, are you read? Do you, do you do you read other people's books? Are you reading any at the moment you'd like to recommend? Yeah, um, I read uh, Maggie Smith's book. I think it was called "You Could Make This Place Beautiful" or something. It was a div- it was like this. It's like this best selling divorce memoir, and I just read it. And it was really funny to like read it next to my husband in bed, and I was like, <laughs> "This is nothing to do with you." I just we have the same publishing company, and I just want to read her book. Um, that was that was. She's a poet, so it was very like poetic how she portrayed her divorce <laughs> okay i'll look out for that um, um yeah cool look i'll let you get back to your to your dog first and then your your son uh second uh it sounds like you're having a lot of fun there. i know it's early early ish in the morning oh my god <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful thing i'm you know i miss i miss i miss them being babies but it's it is also terrific <laughs> to be out of them being babies. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to miss, like, four of us getting COVID in, like, a 300-square-foot apartment in Manhattan, and we can't even take them outside because, like, the, they're, forced, they're like fires in Canada that have, like, bled down to New York and the air is yeah. toxic. <laughs> I'm not going to miss. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 there's problems in the world, Jenna. You, you're dealing with some of them in this. It's a fabulous book. I do recommend it. Uh, oh, is that you or me? Where's that coming from? I don't from? think that's me. Where's that come from? I you, can't Chris? imagine that's me. It's this has been this has been such a. Wait, is that you? That's it's not that me. Camping. What? It might be Chris. Hold on. I don't. It's nothing. It's, I've it's never on the heard this song. Did I press something on here. Did I press something? Hold on. I've never heard this song. Oh, it's, it's sort of like the yeah. start of something of turning into song, and then it's. I thought that this was like how you sign off with everybody. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh. oh. I'm going to from now on if I can find where the music's coming from. Um. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> this has been cool. I'm pretty so sure true. it's not me, but wait, I'm going to turn the. I'm going to take the headphones out okay. and see if Josh, do you recognize this song? Well. What a what an eventful! <laughs> I hope people enjoy listening to the. You know, it's but if they don't enjoy the conversation, there's sort of a soundscape of wonderful things going on in the background that they can. Yeah. Get. it's like a it's like a radio play. It's been today, so it is uh, a radio play. You're yeah, right. and so is life. Uh, Not funny by Jenna Friedman. Do buy it. It's uh, fabulous, and uh, I would recommend the the audio book as always. Um, you, didn't, you didn't bring your dog and your baby to the. To the audio recording, which is no, I did it's not. It's only Christmas, <laughs> and you didn't think to put in some. <laughs> next, next, next time. Next time. Um, this is our outro music. I'd like to thank Jenna Frieden for being my guest. Thanks to Chris <laughs> thank Evans. You. Thank you to Chris Evans for his production and to Ben Evans. We'll see you next time on the Rahalasma Book Club. Let's put some dramatic piano in. Oh, it doesn't go, does it? That was quite good. Thank you very much.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. Gofasterstripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.